Frozen, the newest hit musical from Disney on Broadway, is celebrating one year on Broadway. With sensational special effects, stunning sets and costumes, and powerhouse performances, it's a Broadway experience like no other. There's twice as many songs as the award-winning film written by the people who brought you Let It Go. New York Magazine calls it genuinely electric. Visit frozenthemusical.com slash podcast for a special offer and get your tickets today. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. It's a season of cheating, unfortunately. <laughs> We're going to talk about some high-profile alleged cheating. Yeah. We have a special guest coming on in the back half of this show. Mr. Chris Ryan will be coming to discuss Chloe Sevigny, a, a personal interest of all three of ours. Mm-hmm. And I also want to touch on some Spice Girls drama. Why not? But first, cheaters. Yeah. Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod. I sometimes often forget what his real name is. Notably, uh, cheating at baseball, took steroids or whatever, which I personally have no problem with. Seriously. (laughs) And (laughs) now, I think we did discuss this. Days after he got engaged to J-Lo when he was bending over in the white pants Mm -hmm. on the beach for an extended Mm -hmm. period of time, um, Jose Canseco alleged that he had been cheating on J-Lo with Jose Canseco's ex-wife. And then— And his ex-wife— very quickly deny that. Yes. We should let her have her say. Yes. And I was just like, go away, Jose Canseco. Right. And then other women came out saying that they had texts of, of A-Rod soliciting three sons of them, like as recently as December. Okay. That was within the time that him and J-Lo were dating. Yes. But before they got engaged. Okay. We can talk about that distinction. Sure. Yeah. So I think the Jose Canseco stuff came out uh, very quickly. It seemed uh, quite self-promotional and annoying, and everyone was like, we're not dealing with this. Yeah, cool. And his pipe, wife— pipe down, Jose. Right. And his wife, Jessica, who was the woman in question, denied it. And, you know, it's her it's her life and her sex life, so we're going to believe her. Then the son starts reporting with all of these other women who have text messages and say that A-Rod has been in conversation with them. And it seems like they have some proof. I, you know, in general, where there's smoke, there's fire— yeah. Is kind of what I have to say. And I think also, we talked a little bit about this the last time we talked about A-Rod and J-Lo, is that I don't mean to absolve anyone of anything. I just—we don't really know what their relationship is like. We don't know what their relationship We've is like. We've had questions since the beginning. Yeah. Logistical questions. Right. Time questions. Yes. And it's just—there has been a business element to— they're, they're great for each other. They are great for the business interests of each other. They are more high profile together. People are really invested in them, I think. I care way more about him now that he's dating her. Exactly. And I always liked her. Exactly. But I think it also has really—she needed a new direction in, in you know, career and life and just—not even career stuff, but in terms of, like, her personal narrative. She needed a turn, and I think that this came at a great time for her. So— which is, again, not to say that it's not a real relationship, but as in any partnership, long-term partnership, you're thinking about the practical interests as well as the emotional yeah, interests. Yeah, of course. So, Particularly for two business moguls like them. Right, who don't live in the same city, as you yes. have noted. So, you know, who's to say? That said, there's a lot of evidence or seeming evidence here. I have not seen the text messages. Nor have I. I think it would be illegal if I had. But, you know, if you're leaving a paper trail or a digital trail, it's, mm, I don't know, is that the best? No, it's not. Yeah, is that the savviest? I, I think 
I, I'm, perhaps I'm just cold and jaded okay. now, but I'm just sort of like, J-Lo probably knew that he was cheating, and this if, if he was. I just feel like it, it can't be a surprise with, given their lifestyles and the fact that he was a professional athlete and at one time the highest paid person in baseball. Yeah, I would think so as well. I think it's more embarrassing than yeah. it is. The timing is really rough right after their engagement and stuff. And it's just like they're whatever arrangements people make between themselves, who are we to know? I think totally. that's but um I just think for the kids. Having it out in public is like it's sleazy. Yeah. It's not great. It's gross. And it, you know, I think puts her in an unfair position, even though she's like J Lo and like who the hell cares? Maybe she's having her own affairs. Right. So I hope she is, in fact. If that's what their arrangement is. I think just in terms of optics, it's not great. No. Because I, I think many of us, Katie Baker really wrote about this well, want to celebrate them. Yeah. And like want to like love them as a couple. Me me very much included. Right. It's feel it's feel good. We should also just note that they are not acknowledging any of these. No. In fact, she's just like doing like, look how hot I am Instagrams. Right. She's doing thirst traps, as they say. And they, I believe, are still like giving interviews yeah. to people about how happy they are. And I think they have like the designated, this. there are sources who say that, you know, they're just rising, rising above it, which is like definitely a quote placed by someone in their camp to kind of move the story forward. So I think their strategy is just like deny and pretend that this doesn't happen, which sure. seems smart. I would do that too. Because if they're not going to break up, why acknowledge it? I don't know. Like, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, no one's in their relationship with them. The only thing is, like, if the text messages come out. Right. Which it certainly might, given our day and age. Yeah. Who knows? So, that's tough. But it seems like they're still going to get married. Totally. Yeah. Honestly, it's the second, far, a a far, a distant second most important cheating story of the last two weeks, though. Yeah, that's true. Let's let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the alleged tiff between Kate Middleton and her former friend, mm-hmm. Rose Hanberry, mm-hmm. um, the Marchioness of Chumley. A lo- much much discussed how you pronounce that word. Yeah. About 10 days ago, the son had come out with a story saying Kate had asked Will to phase out Rose and her husband, the, the Marquess of Chumley, from their social circle. And they're part of the Turnip Toffs, which is a set of fancy people in the countryside where Kate and Will have a house who hang out together. Presumably they, um, what's that sport that they play in the Heathers? With the knocking of the ball? Polo? Yes. I was like, <laughs> presumably they play polo. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, do fancy things together. Rose was famously at their wedding and also famously dated Prince William before he dated Kate. Yeah. But it must have been when they were very young because he and Kate met at Edinburgh. Right. Also, like, what is dating I mean know. in this context? What's, also, with Prince William, does he date? I mean, right. so what, what is that? It's not like Harry, who we know did aggressively date. Anyway, that was an initial story in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then the... Royal family, I think, tried to stamp it out very quickly, but the U.S. press is not beholden to the wishes of the U.K. family or, or the U.K. Uh, royal family or the libel laws of the United Kingdom. So it kind of—the Daily Beast picked it up is kind of what happened. The mm-hmm. Daily Mail picked it up and then the Daily Beast, and then it sort of spread quickly here. And then there was a follow-up a few days later also in The Sun where one of their— gossip columnist who, like, allegedly has ties to mm-hmm. the royal family said that 
the royal family was considering legal action. That was in the Daily Mail. That was Richard. Right, that was in the yeah, Daily Mail. You're that right. was Richard K. in the Daily Mail. And that kind of intensified things like, oh, perhaps it's real if they're so mad about it. Mm-hmm. And from there, there's just been wild speculation about what the falling out is between Rose Hanbury and Kate Middleton. Right. So it's definitely a cheating scandal. This is like a traditional I, code in the UK press. Since, I can't think of anything else that would cause this schism. Since like the 60s. Yes. This is just how they have always covered this stuff. And they don't, they can't actually say cheating. Maybe it's because of libel laws. Maybe it's just because they're like, is a longstanding expectation between the press and the royal family. You know, you're trading access for coverage always. Yes. It's the same as everybody else. Um, and I think it's, like, in the 30s when the—I'm sorry to be, like, the nerd right now, but um, the king, who became the Duke of Windsor, was dating Wallace Simpson. Yes. And the English press carried it one way, and they just, like, really couldn't report on it because, obviously, expectations. Yes. The villain of the crown. Yes, exactly. And they, like, couldn't really say anything, and then the U.S. press— like, went rampant. Yes. But, like, and in many ways, press conventions have been changed, and in many ways, they're exactly the same. See, also, when people took the, like, topless photos of Kate on vacation, which yeah. is illegal Sounds and gross, horrible. but remember that, like, it was the French press that published them. And then I think that was also true of when Fergie was caught in some photo scandals. It was, like, yeah, foreign press feet. who published them, and then that gives the clearance for the UK press to report on other things. So... They're not saying—this is this is how it has always worked. And right. this is basically the U.K. press in code being like, yeah, so Will cheated on, uh, on Kate with right. this person. And the funny thing about their initial articles is that they were long because, pe- I guess, people who know know who Rose Hanbury is. But if you don't, she's kind of like—you may have seen her in photos, but there's a lot to be said about her because there's titles there's invo- involved. Mm-hmm. They're part of, part of this group, the Turn Up Toffs, which is like just— you know, yeah, they're part of the like the remaining ro- aristocratic yes. class of England. Yes, and she was a model, and so there was like a lot to say, but not a lot was said, which yes. was kind of funny. And I think that's why this scandal took on such a big life was because there was um, a big story with no there there, mm-hmm. or at least written, and so there's a lot of room for speculation, which then happened quite a bit. Yes, and then ultimately it's turned to it's become a cheat it's become a cheating scandal mm-hmm. alleging that will cheated mm-hmm. which i find in no way surprising however i remember last year we yeah. talk, we've talked about this i was going to say if you're a loyal listener of jam session you're not surprised because yeah. there have been rumors about will cheating forever totally my first response to this was like i wonder how old this is right because i think there were definitely rumors last year, like I, I think on the kind of pre-Harry and Meghan wedding podcast, we talked a lot about it. And there was just, there was a period from like 2017 to 2019-ish when like Will and Kate looked miserable yes. all of the time. And it, it's just a basic body language. It kind of evoked Charles and Diana at the height of like their disaster, yeah. which took almost a decade. But they were just clearly were not doing well. And weren't doing a lot of appearances together either. Exactly. So, you know, part of this, I wonder whether, and then it got better. Yes. And I don't know whether that's media management, which is certainly could be part of it, or whether it was over. This could be like a a reversion. He could have like picked up again, or they could have, it could be rumors getting out much later. But I think the text has been there for a while. Yes. And we, you and I also discussed there's been this mounting 
feeling that William was turning into his asshole father. Yes. And that he was, like, becoming the jer- the family jerk. Yes. And and now this is now spun into, is there a— dr- and, and how it affects the drama between the Sussexes and the Cambridges. Yes. And, and Harry and um, Meghan just moved out last week. They moved to Frogmore Cottage at long last. Yes. And— Which, like, partially I understand. I think that some of that—and we were also going to talk about they got their own Instagram, yeah. which is, like, you know, funny that that is signals a declaration of independence in 2019, but it really does. Totally. That means that they are their own house. And some of that is just, like, they're not, like— kid brothers anymore. They have their own families and they have their own. And especially as William kind of gets steered into the heir to the throne thing, which will be happening more, they kind of need to be separate. But um, so I think that's some of it. Also, if you don't have to be in the fishbowl all the time, why would you? Like Harry and Meghan went to like some hippy-dippy herbal shop in... That's that's dismissive, actually. It seems like they went to... A, an herbal and holistic remedies thing place in London to talk about pre-birth yeah. support, which is great because Pre-natal we all know vitamins. that yeah, Western medicine does not like totally serve all of a woman's needs in yeah. this context. So great for them. But, you know, then there are just like a million paparazzi outside. We know that. They can't do anything in London because there's so much pressure totally. on them. So if you don't have to be there, I, like I get it. Yeah, especially for their kid. They probably, like, exactly. Wh- why put your kid in that environment if you don't need to? Yeah. But yeah, so this has now kind of spawned a lot of other conversations. There's the, is the actual rift not between Kate and Megan, but between Harry and Will? That's one conversation that's now happening, which I think we also covered. I just feel like this has become... Yes. The culmination of many rumors and, like, hypotheses that have been out there for a while. And yeah. now they're kind of, like, crystallizing as a result. Totally. Um, so there's that. And then there's also just kind of, like, revisiting why Harry and Will might be fighting. And right. this leads to Nicole Cliff's Instagram, which— she, or Her Twitter. Or Sorry, her Twitter. Right. Nicole Cliff, who used to run The Toast, she had a very long Twitter thread where she basically posited— that the real fighting between these two couples is Harry and Will. And she said, based, this is like all speculation. She is not a royal reporter. Not even sure how much of a royal watcher she is. But she suggested that perhaps Harry was mad at Will for cheating. And so I, th- therefore, like this like no. became like a rift between them. <laughs> I don't, I, like, I, that's like what you would write in like a Lifetime movie journal of this, which is like, I'm sure that there is tension between them for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, like, I, I would say the probably bigger deal is that Megan's getting so much attention and Will and Kate are probably both pissed about it. Yeah, I think also, like, Will is probably, like, a really difficult, yeah. entitled person. Like, keep in, keep in mind that both of these people are the sons of Charles and Diana, two <laughs> yeah. famously entitled, extremely difficult people. Like, Diana obviously did a lot of valuable public work, but you read the behind-the-scenes stuff— and and obviously and was not treated well by the royal family and not supported. There were and like had some issues of her own. There were a lot of problems, but was also just like a extremely media savvy like press diva. Yes. And these two people had two kids who have grown up their entire lives like as literally princes. I don't think that they're like models of, deal with. or like models of great character all yeah, of the time. Totally. And, I mean, you know, Harry was running around in, like, freaking Nazi costumes. You know, they, like, all—they're not perfect, and I think often difficult, especially when 
jockeying for like status and attention, which is like their job as well as their lives. So I'm sure it didn't help. I don't think it was like Harry as like the moral authority of the UK being like, how dare you? Totally. I, you know, and I don't know. I, I think even if he was mad, it would be more about like jeopardizing everyone. Everyone's you know, well-being. And right. And the, the crown, and as they say. And then also, uh, you know, I, I, I still am sure that there are growing pains between adding someone new to the family. That happens literally and every, every time you add anyone to any family, <laughs> yeah. call anyone with an in-law <laughs> and talk to them about it. So it's, you know, I think it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. I think there's also like— there's just, and I'm a part of this, but there's just this kind of feeling among people who watch the Royals. You have to choose Cambridge or Sussex. And yeah. I think that fuels a lot of this when you you actually don't have to. Um, I, I, I personally do. I think I just hate Will. And I just like, yeah, I just like really don't like him. And I'm just a Megan partisan. But I think that like the feeling like you have to choose one or the other, because they also seem so different at this point. fuels a lot of the speculation and, like, and gossip. I mean, I just think that they're all career celebrities who have just inherited mass wealth and privilege and have become figureheads for a country that is losing its shit in real time. (laughs) And none of them should be, um, uh, you know, icons or, they. you know, we shouldn't venerate them, nor should we revile them. I just think it's fascinating yeah, totally if it's um, not like you don't want to be them no i mean I, it seems exhausting i'm sure that they like i'm sure frogmore cottage is really nice totally. you know I was, windsor's nice too i was wondering about the renovations for frogmore cottage mm. and like how much do you think it's they're keeping to like the structure of the building and trying to you know be authentic versus how much is like looks like Instagram. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I bet that there's like demarcated spaces where like there will not be photographs so do what you want. Yeah. And then others where it's like this needs to look like a stateroom or whatever. Right. But you know, I guess I don't even know what that structure is and how much of it even looks like a stateroom. You know, how much are they doing country manner versus snazzy minimalist Instagram? Well, I think this gets to also the fact that they now have an Instagram, which yeah. is sort of like, what is the style of their life that they're going for? Right. And I for, personally, as a as a um, font nerd mm-hmm. who's obsessed with fonts and typography, love their crest. I love the M and the H together. I think it is like lovely. I think it is um, both classic and modern. Yeah. And I think it looks really yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it does sort of set a tone for like what their style as a couple is. And it's sort of like... Um, with ref- with reverence for the monarchy, but mm-hmm. also trying to be their own people, which yeah. I, I just really enjoy. This is a little old and kind of weird, but it's relevant. Um, after the horrifying tragedy in New Zealand, um, obviously everyone in the, because New Zealand is part of the, some, com- yes, part of the, of the Commonwealth. Yes. Yeah. And also just because you release statements when these things happen. Um, each, you know, the yes. Queen released a statement, Prince Charles and Camilla re- released a statement, and then the Cambridges and the Sussexes, that's hard to say, released a statement together. Yeah. And it was really interesting just to watch the evolution of the statements because the Queen's was like four sentences and basically didn't involve specifics. And Prince Charles's, you know, kind of 
had more specifics, but it didn't go into defending Islam as a religion or, it, you know, it kind of, it walked a PC line. And then this Sussex and the Cambridges were like engaged with the fact that it was um, Muslim worshipers who were targeted and that that was a faith to be defended. And it was like really interesting watching the generational evolution yeah. and watching them react to this tragedy, but also how we talk about these things and um, what the expectations are of like, you know, like our paradigms, but also how we talk about these things. Sure. And it's really interesting. And I and I thought it was like a positive sign of like evolution. Totally. And interesting to think about as they become more in charge, which yeah. will eventually be the case, what it'll look like and what our definition of like being a royal is because it still is basically the queen's in charge and she became queen in 19 in the 1950s so crazy so it is really interesting the flip side of that is that there are all of the social and celebrity expectations because it's far less of a, a role of authority than it was even when the queen became queen in the 50s so, and, you know, they're supposed to be a soap opera for sure. us, and that's what we're seeing. And I, I think they're aware of their position. I think the interesting thing about Harry and Meghan, and I think she gets a lot of the credit for this, but perhaps he's a part of it too, we don't know, is they understand they have to be apolitical but don't want to mm-hmm. be quiet. And so yeah. if you look at the 10 photos they selected for their first post on at Sussex Royal, and the other Elizabeth Holmes, at E. Holmes on Instagram, has like a good, had a good breakdown of this, they picked a few photos they're not even in, and two of them feature women wearing head coverings. Mm-hmm. And that's just like a—it's particularly to launch it, I believe, to, like, you know, it was—I think it was on April 2nd. So the day before the hard cutoff for Brexit, which is like this crazy world event that is tied up in questions of, like, nationalism and xenophobia and everything, to go out of their way to include those photos, which just seems to send, like, a very inclusive message, mm-hmm. is actually really powerful and is political. Like, yes. Like, d- definitely is. And that yes. is that is really different than what we've seen from the royal family from the last, like, 10 years, which is— and, and beyond that, but, like, particularly these kind of, like, more modern royals. Like, it's not really, like—they're not usually looking for— um, subtle ways to have a platform. And so it's, right. it's cool. I think it's cool to see Harry and Meghan doing that. Yes, and they're clearly pushing it a bit more than— And they can, because he won't be king. Exactly, than Will and Kate. And some of that, you know, we don't really know. It does feel like both he has a, they have a bit more freedom, and also yeah. that they're a bit more inclined to do it yes. than, say, like Will and Kate seem like they're literally in a group called the Turnip Toffs. We should note that that's not like an organized name. No. Like, they didn't give that name to themselves, but— It's like the Heathers. That's why I thought yeah. of it. <laughs> but they, like, the, the people that they mix with, they are just kind of in a different, more suburban they're aristocratic. The, they're the landed, the landed aristocracy. Yeah, they're not of the world in yes. the same way. And some of that is necessity and some of that is choice. They're so rarefied that they would absolutely never get close to a camera. And that's yeah. why you don't know a lot about them. Yeah. It's because, like, if you know, you know, and if you don't, you don't. Right. I think some of that is survival. Yeah. You know, if you're born into it and you have, you know, so much attention. But I think they are, Harry and Meghan are using their platform more, which I I commend. It You know, then it is still kind of like, why do they have this platform? Because yeah. they were just uh, born into it and or uh, sought out the spotlight, which is not, which is an ungenerous description of what Meghan did. But you do have to know when you're marrying someone, like, what the responsibilities are. Totally. But I do admire I agree with everything you said they also just like you know they broke all the records for like getting followers quickly it's like it's an astounding 
how famous they are. It's crazy. Yeah. Do you think more famous than Kim Kardashian yet? I think they might be. I mean, I just don't think numerically you can say that. Right. Though I suppose internationally, probably. Right? Just because, I mean, Kim Kardashian has 133 million Instagram followers. So. It's crazy. That's a lot of people. That's so crazy. It's nothing. And Ariana Grande has even more than that, I think. Yeah, but I think that Kim is more localized. And I would say right. that Harry and Meghan, I mean, also just because of, like, the remnants of empire yeah. and colonialism. They, but they there is more of an exposure. Sure. Anyway. We'll, we'll come up with a special jam session metric that takes all this into account, and we'll start offering ratings on fame. Okay, that's great. And then we'll forward. charge a lot for it, and yeah. then that'll be our full-time jobs. <laughs> Indeed. And maybe we, too, can live in a Frogmore cottage. Uh Let's talk about Chloe Sevigny. But first, let's talk about today's sponsors. Say goodbye to expensive TV bills and horrible customer service and say hello to Philo. Philo is a new way to watch all the TV you love. It's the cheapest way to watch over 50 of your favorite channels like Discovery, the Science Channel, HGTV, the Food Network, AMC, VH1, MTV. Really, so many options. Catch the biggest shows on TV like The Walking Dead or Live PD, or if you've got kids, or if you just like these shows yourself, SpongeBob and Paw Patrol. There's so much. Enjoy live and on-demand TV plus unlimited recording for only $20 a month and never miss a minute of the shows you love. Philo is great for watching TV from your TV, phone, or computer whenever you want. There's never been a better deal on cord-free, commitment-free, hassle-free TV. Philo is available on Roku, the iOS system, Fire TV, Android TV, and Apple TV. To start your free trial, visit philo.tv slash jam. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash jam. It's now time for a drastic change of topic. And to do so, let's bring in our executive producer of Jam Session, silent executive producer, the one and only Chris Ryan. Hi, Chris. I, this is an honor. I think this is, is my first Jam Session appearance? I don't think so. I think that you have, be. like, occasionally over time show. Well, I have to check the books. I okay. don't remember. You're just, your spirit is in every episode. Uh, so right. to us, it, it feels like <laughs> you're always here. I was catching up with the New York Times Instagram today, and they had a, a photo of Chloe Sevigny, which stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, whoa, Chloe Sevigny content. Lo and behold, I find out I'm late to it. In the most recent T Magazine, they had a like a one-pager with Chloe on uh, part of their recurring series about celebrities' most prized possessions. And she tells the story of one of hers, which, to sum it up, is a small decorative bird that is made by Damien Eccles, who is one of the three men who from the famed West Memphis Three, yeah. they were on death row for like 20 years. They were and they were acquitted and other charges were overturned. And then he moved to New York. And Chloe saw him on the street. Uh, she, I think, is around the same age. And so their story in that story, obviously very famous, captured the national imagination. Um is a you know a very fraught and complicated topic that really hit close to home for Chloe Sevigny apparently because she saw Damien Eccles <laughs> on the street and just started yelling his name and flagged him down and then they became friends and it turns out he's an artist and he made her a small bird sculpted from paper soap glue acrylic and paper clips um, he made it while he was on death row in prison and it is now in her lovely Manhattan home and yeah. it is one of her most prized possessions. Yeah. So I think it's important to note, Julia, that was a great recap. We know <laughs> all of that because Chloe Sevigny shared all of that in her own voice yes. with <laughs> T Magazine in the New York Times. As told to Emily Spivak. And yeah. I just really, 
I like. Can I just read a couple quotes? I would love for you to one. I came from a generation that grew up on the West Memphis Three documentaries and identified with those kids. Um, <laughs> that's just a real quote in the which like. She was of the time. Sure, yeah. And, and she cr- came from a counterculture world, like, for, out of kids and stuff like that, yeah. where those kids were considered sort of outsiders and miscreants a little bit. Yeah. We should note that we have Chris here on the podcast, not only because he's the silent executive producer of Jan Session, but also something of a Chloe Sevigny expert. Yeah, I think fan. she's, like, basically the love of my life. Yeah. So, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm an expert. <laughs> and also, you are more familiar, like, with this— uh, time, this era, sure, and this yeah. genre of interest. Yeah, I'm older. So, <laughs> yeah, but also I'm like, interested in the West Memphis Three. I'm right. very interested in Chloe Sevigny and her work. Uh, she is an iconic New Yorker. Okay. That is some an iconic, iconic Knicks attendee. Incre- like one of the top five Knicks fans. Mm-hmm. And that is an incredible New York move to yeah. see someone, to see Damien Eccles on the street and be like, yo, Damien Eccles, come here. And then start crying. Yeah. That's yeah. a, that's amazing. So let me ask you something. If you saw Damien Eccles on the street, like coming off the subway on 8th Street. I love that she, it's also the N and R coming off the 8th yes. Street. Very vivid. Vivid. Right by Kmart. Right. Yeah. And also just like, of course, that's where this happened. Would you be able to recognize Damien Eccles no, on site? No, absolutely okay. not. Right. Well, me I mean, credit to Chloe that she did. And then they became friends. This story makes her seem like a character from the movie The Ice Storm, as interpreted by Matthew Weiner. <laughs> like that's the only way I can yeah. I can really think of her. And I love Chloe Sevigny as well. I I think we love her for different reasons. She seems like a McInerney character or something. Totally. It's I just mean, like a yeah, great, she is. She is a great New Yorker. Like yeah. in many ways, she literally is a McInerney yeah. character because she was like made famous by that profile. One of my favorite things that's happening right now, and there's just not enough favorite things, is Natasha Lyonne and Chloe Sevigny's like victory lap yes. as the like the queens of New York City, the mm-hmm. last surviving members of like New York cool. And just like they're they're still there. They're still holding it down, and they're still speaking their truth. That's true. How do you feel about that New York cool now being, like, exported? And I guess it always has been. Like, Chloe Sevigny has always been the figurehead for for that. I mean, it's been commodified for a while. Uh, I'm fine with it. As long as, like, they're getting their due, that's fine. Here's what's dope about Chloe Sevigny, among other things. Okay, great. First of all, she lives in Manhattan. Shout out to that. Okay. I, I yeah. really like the part of her New York cool is that she lives in Manhattan mm-hmm. and she lives in like a probably like a medium old building that she overpaid for an apartment because she just like liked the location. I'm guessing she lives Chelsea West Village just based on the light in her apartment. Oh, see, that's a probably a good call. I was wondering if maybe it was like Kipps Bay area. No, this looks like a... Sixth Avenue, 20th Street to me. Huh. Okay. Just based on just based on the yeah, light in the windows. I can see it. <laughs> Next. She's showing off books in these pictures. Yes. All art books. Nothing that she's a probably I mean she actually has paged through all of these. She's she got seems a bunch like she of has. like Black Panthers retrospectives. Yes. Yeah. And she's yeah, she's this is like legit. Like she's like, this is an art piece. Okay, I've got art books. Let's get them in the pictures. Sure. I also think that like Chloe Sevigny is, like, up in McNally Jackson. Mm. Chloe Sevigny is, like, up in galleries. Like, that's the best thing about, like, the, L.A. has, like, this weird thing where you're online for something stupid, and then you're like, oh, Christ, that's, like, the person from Justified or something. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. you just notice these people. But, like, New York gets a little bit more, like, they're in the cut. Like, they are in the mix mm-hmm. at the bar with you, yes. like, mm-hmm. doing their life shit. They're coming off the subway yeah, at 8th buying and Broadway. Books, they're shouting, Damien Eccles oh from across the street. Can we talk a bit about this photograph? Things other than the sculpture that one might note. In yes. This yes. Yeah. Number one, the house coat. Are we calling this a house coat or are we calling it a dress? I think she would call it a house coat. 
that resembles she a was house like coat. this is the house coat I will wear in tea so pajamas are very present in fashion I right just now. heard this from another friend yeah, if she like pajamas are in right now I was yeah like, okay, in fact cool. it's kind of like it's it's been happening for a couple years and it's I think it's kind of like trickling I was wondering down. about that because I I was Elizabeth Moss's pajamas in us yeah I was like Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pajamas. Real right. Housewives are really into pajama wear right now as well. Right. But it's like pajamas that are worn outside, outside of the home. The home. Oh. It's like a leisure wear thing. It's, it started like a few years ago on the runways and it's kind of it's like kind of trickling down. It's a progression from athleisure. Right. But this is, yes, totally. And I, but you know. For those who find athleisure too restrictive. Well, also with pajamas, you can have like a really great print or a fabric, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a more emphasis on uh, color Perhaps there's, big, sure. a, not, yeah. there's no spoiler to say that that Jodie Comer wears pajamas out in the first episode uh, yes. of Killing Eve. Yeah, season yeah. Two. You know what it also goes really well with your Instagram on your boat on the Amalfi Coast, like that kind of whole vibe of like prints and light fabrics and That's leisure. True. It's just again very Instagram. Ready. Yeah, it's a way to show but, off. A but textile. Chloe Sevigny is wearing is not Instagram ready. <laughs> Are you kidding? I mean, it's beautiful. I, I, this is. It's I beautiful. was going to say this is elevated. This is yeah, like it's this beyond. Is, yeah, this is for like this she's couture. M- she's moved past the pajamas and she's just like we're doing a goddamn yeah. house coat. I mean, that's why I caught my eye on the New York Times Instagram yeah. today. I love this. I love I it too. Would love to own it. What should we put the dollar? Amount at here thirty seven hundred. Yeah, I was gonna say like below five thousand, but, but above twenty five. Yeah, it's I probably think that's some right. designer that she knows that like she yeah. was like I've, I've totally. supported I have been this person's looking work in this T magazine spread and I can't find the credits. So if I miss that, please let us know. We'd love to know. Not that we can afford it. She is, as Kaya pointed out, also just wearing house slippers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like again, probably like five hundred dollar ones. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 probably like. Todd's, that's the name of the brand, right? The fancy Italian one? Yeah. They're probably, like, jealous that they couldn't get that product placement. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's got this magnificent exposed bar. An incredible bar. Yeah. Please note the Fernet front and center in the bar situation. That bottle's right there. We were just talking about a different profile in the New York Times of Sam Rockwell, mm. where he orders— Two Amaros, not one, but two, and then talks about how Fernet settles your tubby. So maybe it's finally Fernet season. That's right. Um, That's good to know. Yeah. Great glasses. I just feel like so many, so often in these magazines, particularly when we look at Architectural Digest and often Tea Magazine as well, it just feels there's a level of artifice and it's forced and like let it, letting the camera into your home and so you've you're performing for them. This just doesn't feel performative at all. No, check out the platform on her dining room table, too. Yeah. That is fucking dynamite. The table and chairs are incredible. I love the table and chairs that she has. There, It's just... It's super 90s. This is what taste looks like. Yes. It's just like, you can just tell that this person has like a specific vision and style, and it's just like, it's functional, but it's beautiful. It's unique. It, it, she just like... I wish people could see your it. face. Yeah. You're like so disgusted by how perfectly tasteful this is. <laughs> no! That it's like there's I'm nothing not, else to disgu- say. No, I'm not disgusted. I'm just like, I'll never be able yeah, to do that. It's, it's like overwhelming. Just like there also are the, people I gotta say, this. the flooring is what made me think the Kips Bay because like I feel oh, like every so New York apartment has that flooring. It's, yeah, it's super easy. But she just, she just dazzles it out. Also, she must she be on a, it up. She's got to be on a, a high-ish floor. I'm going 15 or above because there's no window treatments. But I, I feel like you can see, really? Yeah. yeah. I don't even think that's like, oh, I just moved in. I think she probably just doesn't have them. Like, let's get the light. <laughs> that's great. I love getting the light, as we all know. <laughs> also, what's this painting? Like, this looks like— It a- looks like a guy who's, like, on a whaling trip. 
Not enough credits in this spread. We need to know more. Yeah. That's true. Maybe we should call it Emily Spivak Chloe next Sevigny time. bringing back 19th century landscape art. Everyone's, can we just, Chris, and it, it, kids is off the table because it's yeah. iconic. What are your like top three Chloe Sevigny works? And it could be a photo from a paparazzi photo. So, it could be anything. Number one, and the reason why she's like just an incredible hang is Chloe Sevigny's interview at the Madison Square Garden. This like It's like the Garden Minute or the 60-second Garden interview. Mm. Can we play she, a bit of it? Yeah. Welcome back to the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. At the half mixed up by four, it is time for Give Me a Minute. My guest tonight, actress Chloe Sevigny, and I want to say congratulations. You just won a Golden Globe for Big Love. All right, and you're here all the time at the Knicks games, I should say. Who's the coolest person you've met on Celebrity Row that you were phased by? Actually, Beyonce and Jay-Z, they were the first celebrities, too, to ever turn and introduce themselves. I mean, they were so kind. No wonder they're so successful. They were so personable, and they're like, I'm Beyonce, I'm Jay. Like, they we shook hands and everything. It was the first time this ever happened. I sat next to so many stars. I was like, wow, that's pretty she cool. She seems like a top three or four hang all time in, Dead this, or alive. in this video. She's also, like, in these videos, like, is always just, like, wearing a leather jacket, a black turtleneck. And drinking a Bud Light. Yeah. Because she's a queen. Uh, so number one, Chloe 70 Knicks fan. Number two, I'd probably go Chloe 70 Last Days of Disco. Yeah. Number three. Her dancing in that movie is so good. I'd probably go Chloe 70 Bloodline. Because mm. she's having a blast being mm. uh, Florida Keys trailer trash. Wow. And wears jean shorts the entire time. Like the entire season, she just, wear, she just hangs out in jean shorts. Which is like, I wonder if that was part of her like... Here's the thing, I'll do this show, mm-hmm. but I'm never changing out of jean shorts. Uh, what would be my next one? That's three. That's good. That's good. Three. Yeah. Amanda? Definitely Last Days of Disco. Yeah. We all agree. It's just yeah, incredible. I'm putting the Jay McInerney profile on there. Yeah. That okay. is like maybe the most iconic piece of style journalism, or it's up there. I mean, and both people are just really on one throughout that. Both the writer perfect. and Chloe Seventy. Yeah. Per- perfect matching of writer and subject. Like, just pitch perfect. Yeah. And uh, timing. And... I think I I would also go with the Knicks. It's just been yeah. in or just like any time you ever saw Chloe Seventy hanging yeah. outside of opening ceremony or Chloe Seventy like That's outside true. of Kim's or Chloe Seventy doing whatever. And I saw time. her at the Albertsons on on Hillhurst. Did you really one time? Wow, here in LA, and that's the only place I'd want to see Chloe Seventy in LA. Yeah. That's true. It was good. Albertsons is a good level. That lo- like north of from Franklin really north of Finley on Hillhurst, like up to Los Feliz Boulevard, is like the safest space for a New Yorker in L.A., I think. Because it true. looks like <laughs> Central three, Park. Those three <laughs> blocks. So that's why she was probably there. <laughs> the safest space for a New Yorker. Um, I agree. Next, Last Days of Disco. And then I just ride till I die for Nicolette Grant from Big Love. She is oh, yeah. so good on Big Love. That show is excellent. Like, I just think it's completely overlooked by yeah. time, but not by me. And... I just, I love her in that show. Her compulsive shopping in season one is such an incredible curveball that I never saw coming. And then she's just the most interesting, dynamic, electric character on a very good show. Yeah. All right. Team Chloe 70. Team Chloe 70. This was fun. For yeah. life. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks so for much coming, for Chris. Chris. Another 90s throwback that we need to discuss yeah. in addition to that rousing conversation about Chloe 70. Spice Girls drama. But I guess they're preparing for a world tour, which like, do you, would you go to that? For free. I know you're not buying a ticket. Would you go for free? Yeah. I mean, where is it? Is it at, at Staples? Staples? Yeah, I'd go at Staples. If it's like at Dodger Stadium. I mean, also, frankly, Dodger Stadium is lovely better. this time it of year. Be so the end of the um, out at a concert in L.A. always has to be considered like the traffic, the navigating, et cetera. Yeah, that's true. But I think in either case, if I were given free tickets, you'd go. 
Yeah. Yeah, it'd be fun. I mean, I definitely know many Spice Girls songs. And like, let's be honest, we're not missing much musically without Posh. Like, she didn't do that much, so it's fine, people. Like, everyone's like, oh, I can't believe she's not doing it. I get completism and all that, but we'll live. It does kind of say something about, I don't know, part of the reason she's not doing it is because she's just like a hugely successful designer now. She yeah. just has like a... Meghan Markle's wearing her clothes all the fucking time. Yeah, I mean, I think I, it... I don't know if it's like hundreds of millions of dollars or a billion dollar business, but it is like really, really successful. It's wild. And she has like completely reinvented herself, which is, I was thinking a little bit about this with like The Hills and The Hills is coming back. And obviously Lauren Conrad's not on it because she doesn't have to be because she has her own business. Pregnant, but she announced yesterday. Congratulations, yes. Lauren Conrad. I was also thinking a little bit about how like the most interesting thing about The Hills to me still is that Emily Weiss, the founder of Glossier, was super intern on the hills. And now she is running a company that is literally valued at over a billion dollars. And then I spent a hundred dollars on earlier this week because I needed to re-up on everything. I just kind of, I, you know, was out of everything and I needed to re-up. But so it's like, it's the people in the 90s artifacts who don't have to go on the reunion tour who are the most successful, even though it feels like... Even though when you're talking about a Spice Girls tour or the Hills tour, it's like, oh, this person wasn't included. Well, yeah, this person wasn't included because they are worth yeah. like millions and millions she of dollars. She doesn't need to do it. Yeah. She doesn't so, need the money. And that's knowing what I know about Posh, I'm like, mm, this feels like a, this, it's not an A plus tour because they don't have Posh. It's if you true. could get Posh, then it would be the whole set. You right. Know? But it's a lot less significant of a loss than, say, in sync without Justin Timberlake. Yes, that's true. Like, that's impossible. Right. That, you can't do that. Right. No Justin, no tour. That's true. They'll be fine. She didn't sing that much. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're I'm, right. But I'm with you. She's okay. She's above it. She doesn't need it. Right. I wanted to talk about them, though, because great Daily Mail story that I've been tracking all week. Great, yeah. great is something. I don't know. Okay. Mel B, Scary Spice, mm-hmm. alleges, claims, that while in the heyday of the Spice Girls in the 90s, She had a secret affair with her fellow Spice gal, uh, Ginger Spice, Jerry. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, we we had a lesbian affair and, like, went to the press with this. And Jerry Spice is like, no, we did not. Incorrect. I don't know what she's talking about. Let's keep it moving. Inauspicious beginning for this tour. Whether it's true or not is besides the point. To have differing stories from the two people who are in it, who are in the band, who are about to go on tour together— doesn't seem like a great way okay. to begin your tour. So can I ask, because it's sure. just like classic Daily Mail stuff. Was it really like Mel B is like, we had a long affair and Jerry is like, no, we didn't? Or was Mel B like, I think we might have made out once. I think we might have had a romantic interlude. And Jerry was like, I don't remember that. Well. Because that's a big difference. You know what I mean? Because one, you could come back from. One, you can just be like, oh, maybe, you know, I don't remember, but sure. like, I'm looking forward to the tour. Yes. And there's no like animosity. And there's other where it's just like they're yelling at each other on a reality show being like, yes, we did. No, we didn't. Um, that obviously has its own appeal. I, I don't think it was like a full on relationship. This was on a Pierce Morgan show. So take that with a grain okay. of salt. Yeah. She said it. And she said that it was more that it wasn't like we dated, but it was like more than one time they had sex. Okay. So and then Jerry said no, that it's not true. Okay. So I don't think it's aired yet. So we'll have to wait until that comes out. All right. <laughs> and uh yeah. I it's just this is a fun story, you know? A lot of good tab situation coming out of a country in turmoil right now. Yeah. I mean I'm excited to see how this shakes out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Me too. Okay. <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks to Chris Ryan. And of course, thanks to today's sponsors. 